Welcome to the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast. I'm your host, Michael Whitehouse. Today we'll speak with Mark Spinato of Bouvier Insurance. Mark is a true insurance professional, holding the prestigious Certified Insurance Consultant credential. I was fortunate enough to meet Mark through my Mystic BNI chapter, of which we are both members. And I've been impressed by his encyclopedic knowledge of the industry and his commitment to taking care of his customers. Today, you'll have the chance to learn all kinds of things you didn't know that you didn't know about insurance. And you might learn something that could save you big bucks. Let's learn something from Mark Spinato. I'm Mark Spinato from Bouvier Insurance. How are you doing today, Mark? I'm doing well, Michael. How are you? I'm doing great. Great to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, so Mark, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm a property and casualty insurance agent um, in southeastern Connecticut with Bouvier Insurance, our office is on uh, 1080 Hartford Turnpike in Waterford. I've been here for approximately 10 years. I've been in the insurance industry for uh, about 25 years now. I think I started in 1995 or 96, fresh out of college. Uh, I started out in insurance claims with Progressive Insurance and then progressed into personal lines for home and auto insurance. And then I went to work for Bouvier Insurance back in 2011, and this is where I am today. Very nice. And so now, did you go to school for insurance, or how did you get into that? Well, uh, I did go to a, a producer training school. I went to a, a, a school called the Commercial Union Training School, which is one of the oldest schools in the United States for insurance at the time. And in fact, I believe I was in the 103rd graduating class, and that would be correct. I took it in 2000. And that was with Commercial Union, but they, of course, have been sold and they've merged into some. I don't even know who they belong to now, (laughs) but it was very nice. Yeah, I did go to school for it. I went to Boston for about two months and just uh, engrossed myself in insurance. Nice. Uh, And you have some sort of certification, the CIC certification? Yeah, I'm a certified insurance counselor, and that's uh, five classes that you take over five years and there's um, each class is uh, 72 hours, and uh, I mean three days, excuse me, three eight-hour days, and uh, with a three-hour essay exam at the end. So you have to pass all five within five years, or you don't get that designation. Oh, very nice. Yeah, so, so you're not just some guy walking off the street and like, I'd like to sell some insurance, please. No, no, yeah, there's a little bit more to it than that, but yes, we, yeah, we, we do that, yes. Very nice. Of course, we know each other from BNI. Both in the midst oh, yeah. of BNI, so I I know a bit of your story, and uh, and that's of course why I wanted to have you on here because I know I know you know your stuff when it comes to insurance, and and I had some people say, hey, could you get an insurance guy on there because there's so much I don't know about it. It'd be great to have an episode about that. Well, thank you. I also do, Michael. I also do help with the banks when people are applying for small uh, business loans and mm-hmm. they need um, they need to take an insurance class or they need to sit with somebody. I have done that with Chelsea Groton from time to time. I've sit sat in on a class and, oh, very nice. uh, and spoke about insurance to some people who are looking to get a loan. Okay. I did yeah. that back in, I did that back in uh, January of this year. Oh, great. So it's not, you don't just tell insurance. You also educate about insurance and teach about it. Yeah. So yes, we do. All right. Well, so it sounds like you do know a few things about insurance. We try, we try. There's a lot going on out there right now, especially with uh, the current events. So it is very interesting times in insurance for sure. Uh, and so you said you were with a claims adjuster, and of course you've been a an uh, insurance agent advisor. Um, what are some things that that people don't know about insurance that that it, 
They really should. On the personal line side, one of the most important things that they should know is I would say 90% of the insurance companies, when they're giving you a quote for home and auto insurance, they're looking at your credit. Credit is a very important factor in getting good pricing. They can draw a direct correlation between credit worthiness and claims frequency. So mm. keeping your claims down, but most importantly is, is the credit. That is something behind the scenes that a lot of agents don't talk about with their customers, but it is it is something soft. No one actually gets to see that it's being done, but it is being done behind the scenes. Interesting. Uh, and and what are some other things you see that, that uh, especially, um, let's talk about you know maybe car insurance first, uh, you know, things that people, uh, quicksand they sometimes step into just because they don't know what questions to ask. Um, one of the more important things and something that sometimes can be overlooked is the liability limits on the automobile policy. And if you're n not understanding the importance of your liability limits, another agent can come to you and get you a lower insurance premium. However, they're sell selling you um, less insurance coverage. So the state of Connecticut mandates that the minimum insurance liability limits for of automobile policies, $25,000 per person, $50,000 per accident. Well, if you're, if you're married or, or single and you have, you're in your 40s and you have accumulated some wealth over the years, you probably need some more liability coverage to protect your assets. So normally we start off probably in our 30s with increasing that liability limit to 100,000 per occurrence to $300,000 aggregate. Then as we accumulate more wealth, we go to the $250,000, $500,000 policy. And then we talk about um, getting you an umbrella for a million dollars to go over the top of that. And that's to protect your assets from any liability like a car accident. But another agent who doesn't care about this is, well, I can give you state minimum and I've saved you a lot of money. And the customer really doesn't know until there's been an incident. Yeah, so it's definitely important to uh, cover your assets, so to speak. Um, Good way of putting it. Yeah, but so so when you say uh, 100, 300, things like that, what what is what do those numbers actually mean? 100,000 per accident, per person, excuse me, per person. So if you were in an accident and you rear-ended somebody and they were injured and there was only one person in the car, you would have a limit on your automobile policy that the maximum probable amount of money they could get from you would be $100,000. Now, if in, in, in which case, if there was more than one person in the car, well, we have up to $300,000 that we could use for the total amount of passengers in the car for bodily injury, okay? And that's why that's important because if, if you have a 401k and you have money in the bank that totals a half a million dollars to a million dollars and you have a $100,000 limit on your automobile policy, the injured party could say, I don't want the insurance policy. I want to go after the bank account. Do you see the importance in that? Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and, and this is to cover medical bills and, and it, does it cover it, like time out of work and things like that too? Well, it doesn't cover the customer that did the accident, but mm -hmm. the person that's been injured, their bodily injury, their pain and suffering, their actual yeah. medical bills, and their long-term disability. If they're going to have a disability rating, which they normally do, yeah, they're, you know, let's just put it, I was the claims adjuster. A small accident right now, if you're a small fender bender and somebody goes to a chiropractor, turns into a $20,000 claim right overnight. Mm -hmm. 
Oh wow. Yeah, I think a lot of people think about it like, well, I got a five thousand dollar car, so you know, how how much damage can it possibly do? And they don't realize they're talking about they're getting into the healthcare system, not so much the automotive system when you're well, yeah, some of those numbers. They, and plus they get attorneys too. Mm-hmm. So and then there, there's a lot to it. It's a very good financial um, food chain that helps everybody along the way. But yeah, those claims pile up very fast. And wow. The people who get injured get a free attorney. So the oh. attorney only gets paid unless they settle the claim. So, okay. So yeah, there's there's that too. So you got a very hungry attorney coming after your money, and you want to want to protect that. Yeah. And one of the most important things, not necessarily even if it's a car that's worth five thousand dollars, because a lot of people would buy that kind of vehicle for their teenage child to drive around because they don't want to buy them a new car because they may get into a fender bender. It's the liability that follows the car that is most important that protects the family. The comprehensive coverage and the collision coverage is pertinent to the value of the vehicle, but the liability should not be pertinent to the value of the vehicle. That makes sense. And and so, so what, is, what is the comprehensive and the collision part? Comprehensive is also referred to as other than collision. And that mm-hmm. kind of speaks for itself. Anything other than collision, i.e. a falling object, like a tree branch were to fall on top of your vehicle, uh, vandalism and malicious mischief. Flood is actually covered under a automobile policy, and so is fire. So in theft, of course. So those are coverages that are other than collision. And those things typically happen when the vehicle is not in motion, and i.e., collision usually happens colliding so the vehicle has to be in motion not necessarily because the vehicle could be parked and another vehicle could collide with it so that's the okay. difference and with in one more important thing when mm-hmm. you're driving the vehicle and you do collide with an animal like a deer that is still considered other than collision coverage oh interesting uh and so so comprehensive would cover say if a car was damaged in a riot yes okay um and so what about uh say homeowners insurance? I know that's with with car insurance at least you can say, Okay, I got I got comp, I got collision, I got two fifty five hundred, I've great coverage, I know I'm done. With homeowners I know it's a lot more complex. Yes. Yes. one of the most important things that I, I would think about the homeowners insurance is to make sure that I'm properly insured for the replacement cost of my house. And that is very important in New England because uh, in certain places in Connecticut, you can buy a house for a lot less money than what it costs to rebuild it, okay? Because Mm -hmm. the age of, in order to rebuild, you can buy a two-family house in New London in very good condition for $200,000 but it just so happens that it's a 3,500 square foot house. And based on using a 150 to $200 a square foot, I have to insure that house for close to $600,000 because if it gets burned down to the ground, the, the principle of insurance is to return you to the financial position you enjoyed prior to the loss, which is an important term. So if you have a two-family house that's 3,200 square feet and that house burns down to the ground, the insurance company is obligated to build you a two-family house at 3,200 square feet. And that's why that's important. So you buy that house for 200000 in New London, and the, the people expect to insure the house for 200000 but you can't do that. You have to insure it for more. And is some of that because building codes have changed over time and 
the cost of material, the cost of the cost mm -hmm. of it. One is market value because if we move that same house, that same two-family house in New London, and unfortunately, if we move it to Malibu, California, it's worth five million dollars. Yeah. But the cost to rebuild it still stays at seven hundred thousand. Do you follow me? Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So. There's market value, and then there's replacement costs, and those two are completely separate. Um, and so I also want to talk about business insurance. Part of the reason I actually reached out to you to, to be on the show was I had a, a business owner who said, with all this COVID stuff going on and all this other, I'm suddenly wondering, you know, what I'm covered for, when I'm covered, when I'm not covered, because um, it seems like business insurance is even more complicated than homeowner's insurance, potentially. It is. It is extremely complicated. And one of the issues that you're talking about with the COVID-19 is the fact that these businesses have been shut down. Technically, they have been interrupted because on their insurance policy, he says there's coverage for business interruption. However, the insurance companies have denied coverage for business interruption because of COVID-19. And what that is saying is, is there's a there, there's two schools of thought on this and it, it's being litigated and I am by no means an expert on this topic over the last 90 to 120 days. So there's a lot of opinions on it, but I'll just share with you with what I have been reading and sharing. One of the reasons why they have denied some of the claims is they've said that the business has not, in order for a business interruption claim, it's, it's called the trigger. What triggers a claim? What causes the claim? A fire is a trigger for business interruption because that's direct physical damage to the building. And they're saying the COVID virus did not cause direct physical damage to the building. And in which case, the denial of business interruption. And then the second issue is a communicable disease exclusion exists on the policy to the best of our knowledge. So those two things there, and I will say this, and I am no expert. There are in some other states, I think in Louisiana, and I think in California, and it may be even in New York and coming to Connecticut, I believe there are lawsuits um, from the restaurants associations of the local states, like the Connecticut Restaurant Association or the National Association are trying to litigate that. I don't know where that is going, but it's been unfortunate that there has been no coverage for it, even though... It says business interruption. Of course. So would you imagine in the future that, that uh, business policies were written clearly, either excluding or having riders for business interruption due to epidemic? I can't see that coverage coming. I, it, there, the, one of the, one of the uh, discussions is to being able to actuarially come up with a premium mm -hmm. for that risk. And that is where that is falling down. It just, I mean, where could you put the, as we stand right now, the claim is in the trillions of dollars. Right. So, so how, uh, how much premium could you generate for that? And is the customer's appetite there to pay for it? There, there's a lot of factors in there. And, um, and I don't mean to punt the ball here, but yeah. it's a little bit, it, it's, a, it, it's much bigger than I am. Yep. Okay. Wait. And it sounds like with most insurance, the idea is that not everyone filed a claim at once. If there's a fire in California, there's not a fire in the rest of the country. And so so the, the non-claimants non, non -claimants are, are supporting the claimants, which is the idea of spreading risk. 
And of course, with a nationwide epidemic, everyone well, would be collecting at the same time. It's worldwide. Right. And in, in, in fact, there are, I mean, I want, there's some very serious things that are going down that there are other businesses that are not property in casualty that are covering this. Now, for a short period of time, it was known that life insurance markets were shutting down. They were not taking any more new customers for obvious reasons. Mm -hmm. So that disrupted some financial markets with the, um, with, 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 with the COVID. So we don't know how you can generate a premium to cover that. So I, that, that much we do know. So I, I don't know where it's going, but that's kind of the, uh, the, lay, the layman's uh, term with that. So, so aside from global pandemics, um, what are some situations that business owners might not think to get coverage for um, or might not um, think to ask about if they're covered for, assume they're covered, and then suddenly they find out, no, you're not covered for, for that kind of thing? Flood. Okay. okay. Flood is a completely separate policy, and some people are in a, not necessarily in a flood zone, but they think that you know they had water damage to their building or you know, the definite the the water came in a certain way. So, they, you know that that's one policy that they think that they should have. But another one that is important for businesses, and I'll say specifically towards restaurants, is off-premise utility interruption coverage. And that could be your water gets shut off because the water main breaks down the road, not on your property. See, that's off-premise. It happens mm -hmm. on your property. Well, we're lucky. But if somebody were to, a lightning were to strike a, a, a transformer down the road and it's going to take two weeks for the part to come in and they can't get the electricity up, well, you're down for two weeks. That did not happen on your premises. That coverage is extra money to purchase. Another example is dependent property coverage is an important coverage. If you are reliant on another manufacturer to build you a sprocket that is very important to your largest customer and without that sprocket you can't complete your orders for your largest contract and that business goes out of business if it's out of ohio or they go on strike or something like that it's a dependent policy coverage you need stuff like that another form would be key man insurance where mm -hmm. you have somebody who's a, a great salesman or has a great skill set if you're a manufacturer um, and you can't find somebody to replace those skill sets and something were to happen to that individual and there would be a financial harm to the business for until we could fix the problem. Well, we need an insurance policy for that. All right. So, so really it's, it's any kind of calamity that you can foresee. There's possibly an insurance policy to offset that. Pretty much. Yes. Except for I'm going to go with the, with viruses. That mm -hmm. one I'm going to say is probably going to be a no not going to happen uh, yeah of course any kind of global well now, and, and a lot of insurance insurance has doesn't have like act of god exemption exemption or something like that no and actually actually somebody will actually correct your term because a lot of insurance agents do that and there's mm -hmm. actually no terminology called act of god insurance oh, really okay and it's called no fault okay so a hurricane is no fault because we're not allowed because we're we're now in 2020 that we we just say it, it's nobody's fault. But back in mm -hmm. the day, yes, a hurricane would be an act of God, and there is coverage for it. And that's in flood is an act of God or not. Uh, but there's a there's there's coverage for that. You buy it elsewhere. But so so these act of God things that you're speaking of, mm -hmm. 
they are covered. Fire, theft, I mean, not theft, excuse me, you know, lightning strike, those things are covered. Uh, and so so for a, a business owner, is there, I, I assume the first thing we have a, a good agent who knows, who has experience and knows, uh, you know, what to watch out for and what to ask about. Um, but short of that, is there like a checklist that business owners should ha- should use or some resource they can find to to make sure they have all the the coverages they really should have? Well, there, there's four. I, I believe there's four components to it, and I'll, I'll rattle them off real quick. So hopefully, I don't mess. We got your liability coverage. We have your property coverage, and then we have your automobile coverage, and then your workers' compensation coverage. And that would be a checklist that you should have. Mm-hmm. So your business interruption, this is important. They determine that money is property. So when you look at your business interruption, that is going to fall under your property section of your policy. Okay. okay? So that's important. So you'll you'll look at there. So those, those are going to be the building blocks that a business owner should look at. And I should have those there. Your umbrella policy will fall under your liability section but you'll have your liability your property your business auto and your workers compensation and that should be and sometimes uh employment practices liability and a cyber liability policy and i recommend anybody who is working and selling through the internet that they must have a cyber liability policy because they will be um sued eventually down the road for some sort of virus or something that happens through no fault of their own. Interesting. Um, so are, are businesses liable even if they're not holding credit card numbers and and that sort if of thing? It, if it emanated through them and if they have personal information on people then it, and you have caused them harm, you, you will be dragged into it. it uh, I had a situation where I could tell you in my CIC class, my Certified Insurance Counselor class, we did the, on the cyber liability, and a true story, a, a, an executive from a pharmaceutical company was doing some work at his house, and he was working on a computer, and he was talking about a drug trial, and it had uh, 1,000 patients in there with their full names, date of births, addresses, and social security numbers. Oh, wow. And a hacker, a hacker from Eastern Europe, the guy, a high net worth individual, he had a smart refrigerator and it was connected to the internet and they went through his refrigerator and hacked into his computer and stole a thousand dollars. It ended up costing the pharmaceutical company a $10 million claim. Wow. So, so. that's, if he had cyber liability, that would have been covered. Mm-hmm. Um, but what about businesses that, that don't have names and birthdays and social security numbers and, you know, maybe just have uh, na- names and mailing addresses for, you know, they the flowers they send out. Okay. So anyone who's any kind of customer information. Any type of customer information whatsoever. And what it does, most importantly, it provides you with defense. So if you didn't do something wrong, the insurance company is going to defend you to do that. So in absence of that policy, you're going to have to pay for your own defense. And All right. That, and that's insurance does help against what we call protection against extortion. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I guess it makes sense because the insurance company is on the hook for it. They want to – now they're on your team. And they don't want to be paying for it, so it's cheaper. Lawyers are cheaper than payouts. That is correct. So that makes a lot of sense there. Um, and, and we didn't talk much about workers' comp. You, you brushed on that briefly. What are uh, what are some things that business owners should know about workers' compensation insurance? Think 
Well, for one, workers' compensation insurance is is it's compensatory, which means it is the law. If you have any employees, that you mm-hmm. must have that coverage. Uh, right now, in the state of Connecticut, I would say insurance premiums for workers' compensation have never been as low as they are now. This is with all insurance companies, not anyone unique to me, but it's kind of um, nationwide, to be honest with you. And that's because we've been at full employment now for the last few years. So the workers' compensation claims have been going down. So if you see that you're, the rate that you're paying on the class code you have for workers' compensation, if you're seeing it stay the same, um, that's okay. But if you're not seeing it go, uh, if you're seeing it go up, you need to find out why. And if you're having claims, that's a reason why. But also one of the most important things on workers' compensation is to protect your workers' compensation mod. And your modification, your experience modification tells you if you've had your claims experience. And because it's compensatory, there's an organization that controls your claims experience that people can go to nationwide and get. It's called the NCCI Experience Mod Report. Tells okay. you about your claims and everything like that. And you're and you want to keep it under one. So if you're paying a hundred dollars for insurance and your experience modification is eight, then you're going to pay eighty cents on the dollar. And if your experience mod is one point two, you're going to pay a hundred and twenty a dollar twenty for every one dollar you're supposed to pay. So they penalize you for having claims. So so the safer you keep your employees, the less claims you have and the less money you spend. It, oh, that, there's a direct correlation between that. Yes. Okay. Yes. So, so this seems like a situation where financial incentives and moral incentives align. You want to keep your employees safe because you're a good boss and you don't want your employees hurt. And also, you save money if you do what you should be doing anyway. Is that correct? That is correct, yes. When you have less claims uh, and you're profitable, the insurance companies want to keep you around. That makes sense. Yeah, I remember when I was when I was in high school, I worked at a fulfillment center. Um and there's like four of us that worked there. So if we needed if we needed to grab a sheet of paper out of a box on the fourth rack up in one of those you know big big uh, racks of pallets, um, someone would just hop on the tines of a uh, forklift, go up there thirty feet in the air, grab something, come back down, and be like, yeah, don't tell anyone we do that because the insurance company wouldn't like it. Um, but uh, <laughs> but I, I can I can see why the boss might not want that to happen either. No matter how convenient it is now to bring down the whole pallet. And the truth be known you usually pay for your claims because by increasing your modification, it sticks with you for three years, that claim. Mm-hmm. So you're going to pay for that claim back in higher premiums. You know, uh, small claims you end up paying for as, with your insurance premiums. That's, that may, makes sense. Well, because, yeah, if, you, if, it's, if it's your place that's, that's unsafe or cutting corners, seems like a good place for the, the, uh, the cost to incur. Exactly. But they, what I'm getting at, not only do you pay for the claim, you pay mm-hmm. more with higher premiums. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Yep, that makes sense. Um, so I think we touched on a, a wide range of insurance, and I think it's been great, uh, you know, kind of a great primer for anyone who's who's uh, kind of wondering, like, hey, how does all this insurance stuff work? Um, is there anything else you want to share that, that uh, you know, things you've heard recently or hear a lot that, that you wish everyone out there knew? Yes. If you have a fleet of vehicles, and that is one through as many as you have, that the insurance companies or have a very bad taste for distracted driving. For those who get tickets for driving while on the cell phone, the insurance companies are gonna be treating those as major violations and major violations fall in the category 
of reckless driving and DWIs. Ooh. Because if you, because if they're, the distracted driving claims are piling up. So the insurance companies are really taking a hard look at those cell phones. So have a cell phone policy and have your employees sign them that they are not to be on the phone while they are in the car, while it is in motion. Okay. And that, that, is, impo- and that yeah. is extremely important because when you, when that employee, if that employee gets into a car accident and there is serious bodily injury, they will be seizing that cell phone. Oh, wow. And they will be looking at its records and the last time it was used in mm-hmm. the, in the, and the insurance policy does not pay for punitive damages. Okay. Oh, okay. So, so if, if it was, if an employee is using their cell phone and they're not supposed to be, then the company well, or the employee will be liable for it. I'll give you a scenario. I'm going to give you a scenario about a different industry to make sense what I'm saying. So mm-hmm. you have the restaurant industry and you have the bar, let's just call it a restaurant bar tavern. And you yep. have a bartender that is serving people, but the bartender also consumes alcohol while he's working or she's yeah. working and they've, and they've had too much to consume. And then somebody gets in the car and gets into an accident and hurts somebody. And they look at the business owner and they say, do you allow your bartenders to drink in here? And the bartender says all the time, so we can add money to the bill and get bigger tips. So you created an atmosphere of bad policy. So, we're not going to have the insurance company pay for your bad home. We have to punish you. So they'll Ooh. say, we'll pay $1 from the insurance company for liability and then punitive damages of 300000 And that's for the business owner for not running a respectful business and saying, my employees cannot consume alcohol when they're serving alcohol. So that was one of the, the things. So what I'm getting at, if you have a policy that says, my employees have to be on their phone at all times on their when they're there, you just have to be careful about that is what I'm getting. So because you have that policy in place, it should mitigate and reduce your exposure to that claim. Okay. So, so if you're, if you're doing the best you can, best practices, um, and an employee just breaks the rules, then that's different from if you say, Oh yeah, just use your phone. Don't get caught, whatever. Um, it, that's going to affect how insurance pays out. It, exactly. And it's also going to look at your business. Look, when you go into a jury box and everything and the attorneys are talking about it, well, that, that leads to a higher payout, recklessness. If you did everything that was reasonably prudent to prevent an incident, they're less likely to punish you than reckless disregard for bodily injury or property damage, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's great. Good information. Uh, anything else you want to share before I let you go? No, that's it. All right. Well, this has been a lot of really good information. As I said, the, um, this interview was because I had a business owner say, hey, you should interview an insurance guy who can, can share you know, some of those tips and, and ways to get around those pitfalls. So it's, this has been exactly what I wanted and hopefully what he wanted too, um, and hopefully it'll be a good resource. So, uh, Mark, I appreciate you taking the time to, to be on the show with me. Um, and uh, so how would someone get in touch with you if they want to ask you questions or possibly use you as their agent? I, I, I work at Bouvier Insurance at uh, 1020 Hartford Turnpike in Waterford on Route 85, right past the Crystal Mall. I'm about 500 feet from the 395 connector. Okay. And I'm here. Uh, I work seven days a week. And if they want to reach out to us, I'm at 860-859-9821, extension 313. And uh, my cell phone is 860-625-7702. All right, I'll put that in the show notes as well. Um, 
because people often listen to podcasts in the car. I don't want them trying to write down that number too fast while while you're saying it. Listen to the podcast because um, that would be ironic if they got a distracted driving charge while they're trying to write down your number, trying to listen to the podcast. Yeah, that would be horrible. Yeah. <laughs> so, so they should pull over, stop the car, look at the show notes, find the phone number that way. They, so, or, or save the podcast till they get home to when they can write it down. Yeah. And, and, and relax. Yes. Because we've definitely. got a lot of time in the car, and that should be a place to reflect and enjoy. Mm-hmm. Are you saying that listening to you talk about insurance is not a form of reflecting and enjoying? I'll <laughs> let that comment speak for itself. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much for being on the show. I appreciate your time. Thank you very much, Michael. Take care. Mark is such an incredible resource of knowledge. It was an honor to have him on the show. I sure learned a lot, and I hope you did too. You are listening to one of the last few interviews in Season 1 of the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast. On September 29th, we'll be launching Season 2 in a new format. As my business has shifted to focus more on coaching businesses and individuals, I'm finding a great desire for positive, informative content that not only motivates you, but gives you specific actionable information that you can put to use in your life and business. Starting September 29th, that will be the new Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast. Myself and some great guest hosts will be answering your questions and solving your problems. In fact, if you have a problem, I want to hear about it now so we can answer it in the first few episodes, which we're recording right now. You can email a question or even record a voice memo. Send it to michael at guywhoknowsaguy.com. This could be questions about your business, life, family, anything else. If there is something that is standing between you and a fulfilled life that you want to live, I want to hear it. One of our guest hosts and I will work together to find you a solution. Got something particularly naughty and complex? Come on the air with me. Let's do some live coaching and see if I can't untie that knot for you. Again, reach out to me, Michael, at guywhoknowsaguy.com. The Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast is produced and hosted by Michael Whitehouse. Our theme song is composed by Patrick Howard of Four Unicorns Design. Other music and sound effects are from Benjamin Harvey Design by way of freesound.org and filmmusic.io. Special thanks to Pat Helmers of Habanero Media for all the great advice he gave me on relaunching the show. Find me on the web at www.guywhoknowsaguy.com. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe to this podcast and leave a review. You can also follow me on Facebook at facebook.com slash the guy who knows a guy and now TikTok at the guy who knows a guy. Please share links to this show with friends you think would enjoy. This is Michael Whitehouse, the guy who knows a guy, reminding you that it's not what you know, it's who you know and how much you're willing to help them. JV Connect is coming up quick, December 12th and 13th. If you are looking for a networking event where you can meet people who aren't looking to just pitch you or take, but actually want to collaborate, build strategic partnerships, joint ventures, maybe even find some mentors, some coaches, people to support you, accountability partners, who knows? If you're looking for good people in an environment that's not stressful, but is set up to give you a lot of great connections in an efficient amount of time, check out JV Connect. JV-Connect.com. That's JV connect.com December 12th and 13th 2023 we'll see you there